hearts in your shade Pictures and treasures and the books that we read What's in your shade? What's in your shade? Hello, my name is Warren and tonight I'm joined by Matt. Hi. I've decided I'm not going to do the usual introduction speech. Okay. Everybody knows by now that I love objects, so I'm going to go straight in to the mailbag. Brilliant. Or, before I go to the mailbag, I'd like to say that this is our eighth episode of a second season. And if you've been listening to the other episodes, welcome back. And if this is your first, welcome to you. I hope you enjoy it. If this is your first, you can certainly go back to the previous episode and hear that introduction speech. Yeah. But we, we get the idea through these episodes how much I love objects yeah. and the meanings behind them and the stories behind them. I can see what Matt's brought in. I'm so excited. I'm thrilled he's, he's here to talk about a number of objects. He's brought two pannier bags in. I believe one fell off his bike on the way in. Yeah. What happened there, Matt? I went over, um, it looked like a speed bump, but I think it was just a poorly bit of, a poorly repaired bit of road, <laughs> and I went over it too quickly, and my pannier hopped off. Were there, was there, were there any cars on the road at the there time? There were none, fortunately, so, uh, so it didn't get run over, and I didn't either. Yeah, so, well, that's uh, good. And, I, and all your treasured objects are safe. Everything seems to be fine. <laughs> it must be a sign because these are mysterious objects and I think they've got a power of their own that kept them safe. I remember cycling along the high street one morning. I was cycling to work on the days when I did go into the office. Yeah. I haven't been on my bike to the office in ages and my route takes me from the west of Oxford through past the train station, through the city centre. I go down the high street, past Magdalen College... And just by Morden College, suddenly my pannier bag pinged off. And I didn't realise it straight straight away. The only thing was that I I felt it it just felt different. And I I could feel the weighting on my bike was different. And I turned around and, of course, the pannier was not there. Thank goodness there was no laptop in because a car actually did run over it. Yep, ran straight over it. Then this bloke picks up the pannier bag because I had stopped and looked back so a good 100 metres back Yeah. and this guy picks it up he opens it up looks inside and starts walking along with it and I cycled back towards the scene of the the accident and I said hang on that's mine and he was like alright sorry mate and he just put it down <laughs> pannier bags are really useful but when yeah. the clips wear out and they don't hook on that pannier they can just right off I need some new ones yeah perhaps you could repair or find spares it might it might be possible I always like repairing stuff and I'll talk about that in the recommendation at the end I do as well but uh, a pen leaked in one of them as well so every time I put my hand in there it comes out covered in ink oh it's like a school bag (laughs) yeah (laughs) so Matt's brought these wonderful things in they've survived before we take a look at Matt's special objects and hear his stories behind them, I would like to delve into the mailbag. Brilliant. There's nothing in the mailbag. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
But that's okay. I don't want to put pressure on people. I know people are listening. There's more and more people listening, which I'm so excited about. And I'm happy they're listening. They don't need to write in unless there's a a very important question they need to ask or a comment they need to make. I'm very grateful people are listening. And I find that I was thinking about this over the past couple of weeks, that people who listen to podcasts are really great because they are listeners. Yeah. They're devoting an hour, an hour and a half to a podcast. And that's amazing because everyone's so busy yeah. to be able to devote that time when you've got work, you may have kids, you, you've you probably got loads of other things to do. And you're saying, I'm going to give you an hour and a half of my time to listen. I think that's an amazing thing. I think listening is a great art. And I'm just so grateful people are devoting their time to this. I've got a friend, Simon, who's doing a podcast about Second World War movies. He's done a really good trailer. It's called The Foxhole Companion. And he's done the first episode with a mate of his called Dan Stewart, Patrick Stewart's son from Star (laughs) Trek, which is incredible. And Simon's just released that first episode. And I haven't listened to many podcasts for a while because I'm busy working on this one. I'm researching this one. I want to listen to it before I spoke to him again and I kept putting off speaking to him (laughs) until I listened (laughs) to this podcast and then I realized actually it's you've got to find the right moment the right amount of time to to devote to it so it's a wonderful thing that people are listening to these podcasts and I appreciate it so much so there's no pressure you don't have to write in I thought that was a good time to yeah. reflect upon that and not worry about the mailbag. I'm sure we'll get some interesting uh, letters. Maybe Shani will write in, Auntie Shani. Maybe. I've spoken to Shani a couple of times. Yeah. We leave each other voice messages, and she's she's said she's addicted to these episodes. Really? Yeah. That's nice. um, she, she makes me so happy, and the way she supports me and my family and my wife and my friends and my kids. Ralph gave me a good idea. He said... Yeah. Can he be on a podcast? That's thought, a good idea. Hang on, that's really good. So maybe we'll do some short podcasts with, with the kids because we talk about diversity and, and yeah. speaking to different people. We kind of forget that kids are also... They're people, people. Aren't they? yeah, yeah, with their own ideas. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and they've got really good ideas. They've got ideas that are pure and very... Fun, I'd say yeah. I can't, I can't, they're very creative very inspired people and I think it would be really interesting to have a chat about their toys that does sound like a good idea here's daddy talking about his toys with his mates and his <laughs> mates talking about their toys but kids are the masters of toys yeah so I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test that one out thank you Ralph thanks for that feedback and we'll, I'll give it a go and Anya wants to have a go too she's kind of worried about what she wants to choose yeah because she's got so many options, but we'll get there. So maybe you'll hear from Ralph at some point in an episode that. with that. What happened last episode? Steve joined us with his treasured book, The Golden Bow, Volume 1, The Magic Art. Magical it was. I was saying to Matt when he came in that... I took quite a long time swatting over this one. It felt like I was studying for an exam because (laughs) the content was so deep and and great and I wanted to be prepared for it. 
I thoroughly enjoyed doing the research and I thoroughly enjoyed listening to Steve talk and his understanding and his views of the, the yeah. book were fantastic. I learned so much from that, that story that Steve told us about the Golden Bough and, and his reminiscences of it. So thank you very much, Steve. I hope everyone enjoyed that episode as much as I did. It's really testing me at times <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm learning so much. So it was a good, a good one to get into. And I'm, I'm really pleased that the, the topic we're talking about today has, has a very good link with this, yes, this book does, about yeah. the, the magic art. So there's certainly a lot of magic about what you've brought in yeah. today, Matt. I referred again to the Dr. Dre song in Steve's episode. This is the third time it's coming out. <laughs> and we couldn't figure out what the name of that, that <laughs> hip-hop song was that Dr. Dre sang. And it's called The Next Episode. Oh, yeah. And I said that I found out that Snoop Dogg was part of the song. And then I spoke to James about it. And he said Snoop Dogg's part of most of Dr. Dre's songs. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I love Snoop Dogg. I love his <laughs> eyes. I love his style. And Steve was saying... These videos of Snoop Dogg just sitting there in his car listening to <laughs> tunes and now I've learned something else that the song also features Corrupt K-U-R-U-P-T and Nate Dogg oh right isn't that amazing yeah. so yeah it's a good song I love it and I put a little clip in the last episode just to remind us all yeah. maybe I'll stick it in again <laughs> with <laughs> this one the other thing that happened last episode was that I said in the recommendation section about making a barn star. Mm. I called it a bar a star. Bar star yeah. And I must have had bars and beers on the brain. Sounds like it. But anyway, that barn star, in that episode, I said it's 100% free to make, but you just have to buy the beer. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't, doesn't make sense at all. But that's the fun part about recording yourself, because yeah. you, you can pick out these things you say, and it's just ridiculous. But I think my reasoning was that you're going to drink the beer anyway, because yes. you want the yeah. beer for the purpose of the beer. What you're doing is you're reusing something yeah. that I didn't have to pay for that can no. Any extra? I can't, I can't really work it out. It's still free if you're reusing yeah, things. It's a, it's a byproduct of something that you already used, isn't it? I think. There you go. That's yeah. it. You nailed it. There was no mention of another wheelbarrow use in the last episode, which which was a shame. And I was thinking about the wheelbarrow last night while I was tidying up my notes for this episode, and I realised there weren't any more uses. However, today. I got a message from my friend Simon, who lives near Chipping Norton in the Cotswolds. He is a, a groundsperson or oh, gardener yeah. for one of the wealthy people that live in England, yeah. live on an estate, and they've got a, a house next to the big manor house kind I of see. thing. And him and his wife live there with their two kids, and Matt, oh, not Matt, Simon... <laughs> looks after the the grounds and he said the owners are gone away you're welcome to come over and have a swim oh nice and i've i've swum there before when the owners have been there so it's not like a the owners don't particularly mind but it's it's quite nice knowing that they're not there and they're not looking over us and you could go swim and in england all the pools have been closed and i'm sure that's 
been all over the world pretty much through through the lockdown. Some countries like South Africa, that probably wouldn't matter because people have swimming pools right. in their homes. Not everyone. There's a great divide between the rich and the poor. So yeah. uh, kind of generalizing there, but many people will have access to a pool. But in England, you you generally wouldn't no, unless no. you've got loads of money. So it was great. I went over uh, this afternoon to Simon's house, had a swim in this amazing pool, these, these black mosaic tiles. It was like a dark pool. You could see the steam coming off. And oh, you, heated. Yeah. You're in the Cotswolds and Simon's swimming lengths, yeah. like just paddling about and I'm paddling about and his wife is there, Hetty, and she's she had a dip too. Yeah. And we were kind of having a laugh in the pool. We're actually kind of moaning about the condition of the pool. We wanted a bit warmer. And Simon had to bring it back to to reality and say, "Hang on, are we are we complaining? Like this is great." I was like, "Yeah, we laughed and we're we're in this pool having a fun time." The other bonus of that visit was that I got to load up the boot full of chopped up cherry tree wood from a yeah. cherry tree, and it's got a lovely. I can't describe the color. It is seasoned, but it's got a, a beautiful orangey hue. Yeah, it looks nice, like wood that the sun's setting on it or something. It's got a lovely color and a lovely smell. You had a smell of it. Yeah, it sounds great. Mm. I loaded that, filled up the boot. I had to empty the boot of all like the the stuff we store in yeah. there. We can't fit in the house. So <laughs> I put that in the front room, went over to Simon, had a swim, filled up the boot, got home, had dinner, and it was pouring with rain yeah and joe said i'm gonna go empty the boots so she put on a waterproof coat put the hood up and she said and the wheelbarrow is gonna get ah, its brilliant. use <laughs> and it's intended use <laughs> so the wheelbarrow got taken out filled up with logs brought back into the garden and we stacked the logs and i did a, a couple of trips with it and as it was going over the gravel it was it was singing to me it was going and the logs were bouncing a bit and it was as if it was so happy going see <laughs> yeah. i can also be a wheelbarrow <laughs> it's fulfilled its it, destiny it certainly it? has so it doesn't only make beautiful fires it it makes a beautiful tool for carting things around the yeah. garden and joe said maybe every wheelbarrow should have holes in when you buy them yeah and then I said, but what happens if you're mixing cement? Yeah. I said, well, how often do you mix cement in a wheelbarrow? I don't know. But if they don't come with holes in, you can make your own because that sucks up the air through the bottom yeah, if you're making yeah. a fire in it. That lovely wheelbarrow. I love it. I love that it's how it's got another use, which is its own intended use. Matt, this is the <laughs> moment I've been waiting for. I can't tell you how excited I've been to, first of all, have you back. Thank you for inviting me back. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, before before you get started, after we did the superhero comic books episode, yeah. we we finished our night. It was close to 2 a.m. Oh, it was a late night. It was late a night. very late <laughs> one. And I remember we were both kind of walking to the gate and I was seeing you off and you said to me, you said something like, if, if you'd like to do something like this again, I'd be really keen. Yeah. And, and that just touched my heart and I thought do you know what like to be able to say something like that otherwise is so important otherwise I wouldn't have known yeah, I mean yeah. I, I guessed from the night how much fun we had and how good it felt but to have someone verbalize that and say yeah I'd like to do this again and 
I thought if you don't say things like that or if you don't ask, you you won't get or you no. might get it, but you're less likely. And I used that that strategy in a job interview. Oh yeah. Where I I was a teacher and I left teaching to get a, a different job. I wasn't desperate for the job, so I was quite happy to go to the interview for experience. Yeah. And at the end of the interview, I said, I really want this job. It was the first time I've ever said that in an interview. And then getting feedback from the interview, yeah. they said, you were the only person who actually said you want the job. <laughs> oh. And not because it's a bad job, it's a good job. But yeah, it just made me think, you know, it's, it's important sometimes to say these things. And yeah. thank you very much for, for saying you wanted to come back. And I'm thrilled to have you back. And now, let's hear all about your wonderful objects you've brought in. Right, uh, well, I brought several, but I suppose that the key amongst them is, is this book. It's the Player's Handbook for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Uh, everything a player needs to create heroic characters for the world's greatest role-playing game. And uh, we talked about comics um, when I spoke to you before, and comics were an easy hobby to get into. I just had to go to a newsagent, pick one up, and that was it. I was I was partaking in this hobby. But uh, Dungeons & Dragons was something that I was aware of, but it was more complicated to get into, and I, there was never uh, there was never an opportunity for for me to find out very much about it. So it kind of passed me by uh, in my in my teens, and it wasn't until I was an adult that I had the opportunity to to learn more about it and realise that it was something that I would really that I would really like to to have a go at. There was uh, there was a web comic that I used to read in the early two thousands called Penny Arcade, which was about video games mostly and other popular culture stuff um, it was really funny and it was really popular and it, and it grew very big uh, and to the point where they were able to put on their own video game expo every year, a show every year uh, called Penny Arcade Expo it became known as, as PAX and that grew and grew and it wasn't just uh, video games, they had a lot of tabletop games, board games, role-playing games um, and in 2008 they were approached by a company called Wizards of the Coasts, uh, Wizards of the, of the Coast, who, uh, who published the Dungeons and Dragons books and they said do you want to get together and, and make a podcast because they wanted to promote the new fourth edition rules, they get up updated every so often, they wanted to promote this new rule set and this was the perfect opportunity for me to find out about it. I, I liked the guys who who made the, this webcomic uh, and I listened to this, uh, to this podcast and it was really only supposed to be a way of promoting these new rules to people who already played the game but uh, it, was, it was really funny and they had a couple of the players had played in the past and one of them had never played before and the the guy who was the dungeon master who ran the game, Chris Perkins, he'd come from Wizards of the Coast. He he wrote the rule books, so he was the perfect Proper celebrity. Yeah, yeah. So he was yeah. So you know his his name is is in the cover. You know, yeah. It's on the inside cover of of all the books, and he did a really good job of talking them through it and explaining how it worked. And they had loads of fun, 
and I thought, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to have a go at that. Mm. So I asked around to, you know, to find out who else wanted to play. And I asked Hannah first, uh, my partner Han, who uh, people might remember from the Casio keyboard episode. Fantastic she, yeah. episode, loved it. Uh, and she wanted to play, and I asked around our friends, and I only really had got one very keen person who wanted to play, and that was uh, our friend James. And they they reckon that you need minimum, bare minimum, four people to get a proper game going. And ideally you want five or six. And we didn't have the numbers for it, so it I forgot about it, sort of sat on the back burner. Uh, but in the meantime, I carried on, I listened to the podcasts, and they grew in popularity to the point where, instead of doing podcasts, they took them to PAX, to this expo, and they played them in front of a live audience, uh, which was a really new way of playing the game. And that grew in popularity and went from, they went from playing in front of a few hundred people to playing in front of thousands of people. Wow. And PAX itself became more popular and was held several times a year. And every single one, there would be a new Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, they called their group Acquisitions Incorporated. And so there'd be a new Acquisitions Incorporated game three times a year. And it was like, uh, it was like, your favourite movie franchise putting out a new movie three mm. times a year so I would get to I would get to uh, to to consume this uh, you know this uh, this game uh, and learn more about these characters that they were building and learn more about their story in the world and um, I went from just wanting to you know I, I wouldn't mind playing this game to uh, you know I really want to play this I, I want to build a really amazing character and I want to go off on an epic journey with my friends and uh, and you know uh, go off on some campaign and it wasn't until 2016 um, that I'd been at a game night with some friends uh, my friend James was there and another friend of ours Enders and as we were leaving we were talking about this new TV show that everyone had been watching on Netflix called Stranger Things. <gasps> yes! <laughs> and it had featured Dungeons and Dragons quite prominently in the storyline and Enders was saying, oh, that looks like a really good game, I'd, I'd like to play that. And I thought, oh, we've got four people, four people want to play now. That's, you know, maybe we can make this happen. Um, that, that's the minimum we need. So Hannah asked around at work and um, a couple of our friends from work, Fish and Sofka, were really enthusiastic about playing as well. And so I thought, like, you know... Are these Fish, Sofka... Fish, Sofka... Endo? Enders. Enders? And I want to say Endo, that's a BMX <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, that's Endo. Right. Stephen Endersby. Are these, like, uh, all, like, nicknames and... Uh, uh, James and Sofka are real names. <laughs> Fish was a nickname from school because his name was Michael, and so he got the nickname from Michael Fish, the weatherman. Oh, okay. <laughs> and cool. Enders, his surname is Endersby, and everyone just called him Enders. Of course, that's always going to happen yeah. if your surname's Endersby. Yeah. Isn't so <laughs> there, was, so there were six of us now who wanted to play, and I was, I was so excited because eight years after I decided I wanted to have a game, I was going to get to, I was going to get to build a cool character, and I was going to get to go off on an adventure. Um, with this character but I, I got a bit ahead of myself because n not everyone gets to make a character and be an adventurer in Dungeons and Dragons someone's got to be the dungeon master so if someone has to run the game they have to um, they have to play every single other character in the game and they have to be all the monsters and they have to set the scene and 
uh, narrate it and um, sort of present all these challenges. And it's um, it's a bit of a, of a responsibility and it wasn't fair for me to 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 get anyone else to do it because you know I had been I had been uh, watching these games for eight years and no one else really knew how it worked mm. so so that was fine um, I was gonna I was gonna run the game so I bought I bought the player's handbook which has everything you need to know about building a character and um, and the rules of the game and I bought a starter set as well which Dungeons and Dragons put out which has everything you need. To, to play a game it's got uh, it's got the core rules a booklet of about 30 pages with just the basics for running a game it's got a, an adventure in it a campaign called the lost minds of Fandelver. uh it's got a set of dice you need you need your dice to play mm. dungeons and dragons you get uh, a set of seven polyhedral dice and i'm looking over yeah them so i brought so a, a, a selection there um so uh this one here the the standard six-sided one that you, that you would recognize uh, you wouldn't call that a six-sided dice. That's a D6. Yes. <laughs> and so you get uh, you get a D4, a oh, D6. Help yourself. And they're like resin. The the yeah, the I, screen I, I, I bought some extra ones. They're they're a nice uh, see-through. Some red and green oh. ones that just remind they reminded me of um, of jewels. They look like emeralds. Oh, they root. do. They do. They're so nice to hold. So that's why I chose those ones. Oh, man, those dice are beautiful. <laughs> Um, so yeah, D4, D6, D8, two D10s in case you need to roll percentage. Yeah. D12 and a D20, which is uh, that's the workhorse that uh, that does all the work for you. Yeah. Anything that you want to do in the game, you're going to need to roll a D20 to see if you succeed or not. So it came with a set of dice. I bought extra there. So this was the starter kit. That this you was got. the starter kit. Yeah. You know that you can actually get. You mentioned Stranger Things. Mm. You can get a Stranger yeah. Things Dungeons and Dragons starter set, and I'm showing oh, wow. yeah. Matt a picture here of of it. Must um, be, yeah. Starter set, and you can see. Is it eleven battling against the? Oh, what did they what call it? The Demogorgon, the I Demogorgon, think? Demogorgon, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So a starter set, that's great. Because yeah, if, you're, if you're interested, you can just pick up a yeah, starter it's per, set. Yeah, it's perfect for a few, if you want to start paying, playing. It costs about 20 pounds, and it's got everything you need. And it also has... Um, so, so part of the excitement of, of this game is building your own character. But if everyone's new to the game, then uh, having a pre-made character is really helpful. It... it makes it so much easier to get started and it came with five pre-made characters so um so we all got together everyone had chosen the the character that they wanted to play i'd been reading up on the rules there are quite a lot of rules <laughs> um and I, I kind of got a handle on it and we were ready to play our first game and so um my role as the dungeon master was to to set the scene for them to to introduce them to this world that uh, that these adventures take place in, um, it's a it's a kind of a medieval style world um, with uh, you know magic is rare but real, and out in the wilderness, it, it, the wilderness is filled with uh, with ruins and castles and dungeons and crypts, dragons. Uh, yeah, and there are all kinds of monsters all over the landscape. Um, and I wanted to I wanted to to set them off somewhere familiar. Um, and we had all at one point or another lived in East Oxford. 
and we were all really familiar with the, with this pub, the Star, that we'd all drunk at, that we all knew well. And so, Love I, it. so, Love so, Star. so, uh, so I started them off. Um, so I made up a place for them to start. It was called East Ox Forge, and uh, and they started off at an inn called the Morning Star. Um, a Morning Star is is a, a spiked club that you can that you can use in the game. And they were a team of new adventurers who were looking for for work. And their first job was to escort a wagon load of supplies to the frontier mining town of Fandolin, a two days journey south on the high road. Um, they were to be paid 10 gold apiece for a successful delivery. Oh, I feel of, like I'm on their journey already. <laughs> Matthew, I've just realised as dungeon master you've got to be a good storyteller it's yeah yeah um because you've got to get people to feel like they're there and, and yes. just this brief moment here i was already on that journey <laughs> good, good. well done thank you thank you yeah it's yeah you've got you know you've, you've got to you've got to give it your best to to create that that world for them so um so yeah so i was i was doing my best um and so they set off on this journey and of course it didn't go it didn't go exactly to plan um and there are there are three pillars to to the game you've got you've got exploration which is rooting around dungeons and castles you've got uh role play and interaction where you're talking you're communicating with other people and maybe trying to learn information and you've got combat which is that's the meat of the game mm -hmm. that is uh, that's what everyone was. That's what everyone was really looking forward to, I think. And you know when it's about to start because the dungeon master will tell you to roll initiative. Um, everybody rolls a d20, and you determine uh, the order that uh, that this fight is going to happen in. So, uh, so everyone rolled for initiative, uh, and the fight started, and it was it was chaos. Yeah. We thought we were ready for it, but but we weren't. The the very first thing that happened was uh Hans fighter Genesis Ravenhead took an arrow great to, name great name <laughs> uh, took an arrow to the chest and was sprawled out on the roof of this wagon uh he was dropped to zero hit points and he was unconscious and dying um death is uh is an an important part of the game the threat of death makes makes all your decisions puts more weight on all your decisions you know any fight you get into can be your last and as the great as the game progresses and uh your characters get more experience there are more ways to avoid it but first level characters are very delicate and uh and you know they can die can you come back after death in some circumstances you can it's uh, early on it's not very easy. Um, later on, there might be spells. Um, it's not... So, zero hit points isn't the end. That's not death. Um, what happens when you get to zero hit points? You're unconscious and you're dying. And you need, you need to hope that someone from your party can, can get to you to help you. They can make a medicine check. And basically, they've got a 50-50 chance on a roll of stabilising you. But if no one can get to you, then you start to make death saving rolls. And every time your turn comes around, you roll a d20. A 10 or above, uh, that's a success. 9 or below, that's a fail. So three successes and you stabilise. Three fails and you're dead. Yeah. That's it. Where are you sitting? 
around a table uh, we are, in yes. a pub. Yes, so we're uh, we're in our kitchen. Uh, it's it was there was enough room for us for us all there. We had a reasonably big table, and there was just enough room for us all to sit around this table quite comfortably. The lights were down low. Uh, we had our, you know, we had our drinks and snacks, and everyone had their character sheets in front of them, and, uh, and you know the mood, the mood was was set for it, and uh, you know all eyes were on me, so I was, so I was feeling the pressure of it. And when when you're involved in the game, do the people playing feel like they're in this fantasy? Do you know what I mean? Like obviously yeah. you're in the room with people, but does it? grip people so much so that you you're all in role with the whole time kind of yeah it, it does you've, you've it probably does. escaped yeah uh, it's so it's a it's a slightly different experience for the dungeon master than it is for the players because because i know everything that's happening but behind the scenes i know what's what's ahead of them mm. um and they they don't so they're experiencing everything everything is brand new it's all brand new to them this experience but uh, but yeah, it's we did have that experience. We were fully, you know, this game was four years ago, and, and I can picture how the game played out in my mind still. It's immersive. Now, yeah, yes, it absolutely is. Um, and it, yeah, the 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 fight was 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 chaotic. So Han, <laughs> Han's character is unconscious. James's wizard is firing magic missiles off into the tree line at some unseen attacker. Um, Ender's rogue has gone toe to toe with two goblins in the middle of the of the track, and he's killed one, but the second one got a really big hit in on him, and, and he dropped from nine hit points down to two. And he realised that the next hit, and he'd be out of it as well, and <laughs> and he panicked, and uh, and he had his character run off <laughs> into the bushes to hide, which were, which was quite funny. His character uh, runs off because he yeah. threw the dice and it told. Yeah, is he, that how it works? Uh, he well, he decided that that was what he wanted to do. Oh, he gets choices. Yeah, so um, so you roll the dice for for the combat part of it, but uh, on each of your turns you get to make a movement as well, and he used his movement to to get out. Get out. Yeah, um, fish's uh, fish's fighter chased a goblin off uh, up a bank <laughs> into the trees. Um, and uh, it it hid in the bushes, and he had to make a perception check to see if he could find it, and he failed. So he didn't know where it was, but he wanted to take a swing anyway because he knew roughly where it was. And my understanding of the rules was that that probably shouldn't happen, but they say that the the rules are there to serve you and not the other way around. Um, so I thought. Or just go with it. They say, yeah. you know, try and say yes to your players as much as possible. And they also have this other idea called the rule of cool, where if your players are really putting the effort in and, and making something happen, that you just go with it mm. and you know let them let them try. And so I thought, you know, we'll let him go for it. If he rolls low, that's easy. He's just he's just failed. But if he rolls high then I'm going to have to think really quickly about, about what's going to happen. And do you have your book with you the whole time? Yeah, I've got, of... I've, so I've got the book. Uh, it, this has got what they call stat blocks in it, which is, which is a, a block of information about how to control these creatures. It, te- <laughs> it tells you how the adventure begins. It, tell, it describes all the areas in the game to you. Um, you learn about how different creatures behave, how they act in, in a fight... 
so you know how to how to control them in um, in a way that is repeatable so that they they, they all act in the same way um, so fish roll the dice and what you would normally do you roll this d, your d20 and you add your modifier um, but he rolled a 20 uh, as high as you can roll uh, what they call a natural 20 if you don't need to add a modifier so you roll a natural 20 and in combat that's called a critical hit and you get to roll double your damage dice for that and I knew that this goblin only had two hit points left so I was like this, you know we're gonna go with this that's fine <laughs> yeah. so I had him uh, you know I described how he swung blindly into these bushes and struck something and this goblin's head came flying out of the undergrowth and it bounced down the embankment and came to a stop in the middle of the road with its eyes bulging and its tongue lolling out and everyone was was so excited uh, you know <laughs> whooping around the yeah, table absolutely. shrieking <laughs> yeah they were yeah it was it was a really important moment oh fantastic um, in the meantime Sofka's cleric is uh, under heavy arrow fire has crawled back and uh, and has revived uh, Hans fighter with a spell Ender's rogue has realised that her, the uh, heroes don't hide in the bushes and he's back out there <laughs> and how many hours does it take to get to this point does it does it flow fluidly it does it, yes it does so we're still learning the game and we're, it, it's a little bit clunky you know our first game um but you know when it's swung backwards and forwards the the tides of this game but eventually eventually they won so enders is out of the bushes yeah he, you know he's back in the fight yeah. everyone's back in the fight okay you know, Han, uh, hans fight swinging his great sword there's uh, there's but hans almost dead up. isn't she she's been revived she's been so oh, softer has that. used yeah. uh, heal wounds or something like that she's got some hit points back and she's back in the fight oh so fantastic Everyone's involved, and eventually, eventually they won. And we've been playing for about three and a half hours, and we were all <laughs> exhausted. And and I, I looked over at James, and he could hardly keep his eyes open. But everyone had had such a good time, you know. Everyone was so happy. And uh, and as soon as the game ended, everyone was making plans for for the next one, for the next uh, game. And and I was really keen to keep the momentum going, um, so we so we made plans. And this first game we played, it was just it was just everyone had their character sheets. We had our dice, and I described the action. and And it's what they call theatre of the mind. You just imagine everything, but everyone's on the same page. And even though people might imagine things differently, we're all there together. And we're all having this adventure. Um, but I wanted to uh, I wanted some visuals for the next one so uh, for the next game I got a, a big uh, wooden board uh, to cover the tabletop and I painted it black with chalkboard paint and I wrote everyone's character names um, in their places around the table in, in this gothic script yes and I made a big map it was it was probably about two and a half feet by a foot and a half I marked out uh, a one inch square grid and I painted this this uh, cave system that I knew they'd be going to uh, on there 
and I mixed uh, play sand and PVA glue to create this rock texture. Oh, like those train sets. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, oh, and I built wow. uh, and I built miniatures for everyone. Um, I, I drew a little illustration. Oh, you haven't brought them in, I have, have you? Yeah. Oh, so, um, so can I can yeah, I handle one? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. So so I drew a little illustration of everyone's character. And I printed them out really small. About, oh, um, beautiful! I'm going to turn the light okay. on because I, I'm struggling to see these. So they're uh, they're about an inch to an inch and a half tall. I backed them on cards and I laminated them with sellotape, and I mounted them onto two pence pieces, which make nice little stands. Work, I was trying to work out what the uh, base they're the, was. They're the perfect size for a for a one inch square grid. Oh, that's board. ingenious! And I and I covered up the map with a sheet. And I would reveal parts of it every time they discovered a new area. I would I would reveal parts of the map for them, and they got to move their little characters um, around the board. Oh, and you are a true dungeon <laughs> master. These people, I wish I was one of them. <laughs> or maybe I'll make you one. Oh. I'll make you one, Warren. <laughs> oh my goodness, this has given me an idea. These two pence pieces, I've been thinking of trying to make a stand for my Masters of the Universe figures. They don't stand oh, yeah. that well. Oh, there you go. You can buy little plastic stands yeah. on eBay, and they're really expensive. I saw mm. the price of one, and I thought they were trying to sell the figure. But you can you can make a stand with a two-p piece. Nice and cheap, just two pence. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I put a little okay. bit of black card over there. So that oh. you can't see that see the coin. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. It's just because oh, I'm no so problem. excited. And <laughs> please continue about the made each person. Yeah, yeah, I'll let you take a look at those. So everyone's got their miniature. Oh, I love these. And they, and they got to move them around the board. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Who's the tiny one? That is Ender's rogue. She's a halfling. Oh, uh, that's like a hobbit. Love her. Yeah. Oh. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, yeah. So they uh, each got these. So they each got their their little miniature, oh. and they got to move them around the board. Let's bring a tear to my eye. <laughs> um, and th yeah, that that went down really well. Everyone really enjoyed oh. that. It was really good fun. For our third game, I didn't really have time. It it it, it was quite a lot of work had gone into making the map, and I didn't really have time to make another one. So what I did was in the middle of this uh, this blackboard table topper, I marked out a big one inch square grid and I drew each area on as they discovered it. So I, I had a, a, a little copy of the map inside, inside the booklet and every new area they came to I, I would draw it on there for them. Uh, and yeah, and that was a really good way of doing it. Um, and then after our third game, uh, unfortunately James came to us and he said, I'm really sorry guys, I'm, I'm moving away. He was he was moving to London to move in with his girlfriend, and obviously you know we were I was so we were so happy for him. Mm. He was brilliant, but the party didn't want to continue with without their wizard, so we stopped playing for a little while, and um, it was probably a year maybe before we we tried again. Um, and Han said she would she would have a go at running again this time, and so I got to finally got to make my own character which which I've been looking forward to for so long and so that's where that's where the, the handbook comes in so when everyone's a beginner uh, having a pre-generated character is a really good idea it's a real time saver but normally what happens is you have before you start a new campaign you have session zero where everybody gets together uh, with the player's handbook and you go through it and you might discuss what's best for your party um, 
you kind of want to cover all the bases with the characters you build. But really, really, you should just build whatever you want. You build whatever kind of character you want. Mm. And so um, it's got everything you need to know inside the player's handbook. It's the first 140 pages are about character building. But you don't have to build it or you don't have to read it all. Um, it, you just have to ch to choose parts of it. So when you build a character, there's three there's three main uh, areas to choose from to begin with. The first one is they they say they describe it as race, but basically uh, the Dungeons and Dragons world is filled with uh, all kinds of humanoid creatures, and so you've got humans, uh, elves, dwarves, halflings. Those are the the most common ones. And whichever one you choose gives your character certain perks. And the next thing you choose, the most important part, is your player's uh, your player's class, and that is that is their job within the party. And you've got things like uh, fighters, rogues, wizards, clerics. They all come with uh, different skills and abilities that determine how they how they fight. Um, and they uh, they will give you certain types of equipment as well, and uh, yeah, there's all kinds of great pictures in this book. It's full of beautiful yeah, paintings. Yeah, looking at the art, it's full of beautiful. Of, yeah, loads of great paintings in here to to inspire you uh, in in creating your character oh. to give you lots of ideas. And there's a there, there's a good deal of information there's, in here. There's a table I'm looking at about the the, the cleric. It's called, and it's yeah. got level proficiency bonus features. So it's a real investment it if really, you want to do it properly. Absolutely. I'm sure you have to you yeah. have to learn your stuff. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So you've got your 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 class, and the the last thing is your character's background, which has been there, which is their life up until the point they became an adventurer. So they might have been a, a soldier or um, an acolyte serving in some religious order or uh, a sage. Who was, uh, you know, sequestered away in a library, um, and so those are the those are the uh, parts that you choose from first that, that build the type of character. And so I thought, uh, as an example, I bring along a character sheet. So you record this all in your character sheet that you um, that you use uh, when you're playing. I thought I'll I'll make something for Warren. Uh, I thought, what what character would he would oh, like to wow. be? Oh wow! Okay. I was, you know, would he be a wizard or a warlock? And um, and then I remembered your Arnold Schwarzenegger book. Yeah, and yeah. I thought of Conan, and so I Ooh. thought Barbarian. Yes. So um, so this is a this is a, a completely original property, uh, Warren, and uh, <laughs> and any similarities to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is Waran the Barbarian. Because <laughs> my name's got War in it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Waran the Barbarian. Uh, he's a human. Um, and he has the folk hero background, which means he's he was a man of the people. He was uh, he was a regular guy who uh, who rose up, uh, who rose to the occasion when he was needed. Like Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so 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 we've got uh, you know the different elements that make up a character. Um, the next thing you need is is ability scores. So anything you want to do in the game, you roll a d20 to figure out if you can do it and uh and you add a number based on on how good you are at certain things you've got six ability scores 
you've got strength and you've got dexterity, which are both fairly self-explanatory. You've got constitution, which is your ability to withstand negative effects on, on you. Okay. It might be uh, how long you can hold your breath in a flooded chamber or uh, how you're able to withstand poison gas, whether you, whether you die or whether you're just knocked unconscious. Uh, you've got intelligence and wisdom, which sound a bit similar to begin with, but I heard a good uh, explanation of them. Uh, intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. So, wow, you could use that in everyday life, couldn't exactly, you? Exactly, yeah. Um, so intelligence is like book learning and wisdom is how you apply what you know. What would you think is more important? Goodness, I think, I think in day-to-day -day life wisdom is probably more important. Uh, intelligence becomes sort of more specialist. Um, it's a difficult question. It is know, a difficult because question. Because you kind of need a bit of both, of don't yeah. you? You need, yeah. you need intelligence and wisdom. But I was erring more on the wisdom side, thinking yeah. that's, that's important. But it's all about balance, don't you? Need yes, a bit it of is, mood? yeah. Um, the final one is charisma, which is how you deal with other people within the game. You know, uh, Can you persuade uh, a guard to let you through into, uh, into a sealed-off area? Um, you know, can you threaten a street thug into into doing what you want them to? And this is the this uh, this is where it gets exciting, because to choose these numbers, you have to roll for them. You have to roll dice for them. Do I get to roll a dice? I think we should do that. <gasps> so I have I have I have filled these in temporarily, but I think that you should get the experience of rolling them. So what I'm going to oh. do is I'm going to give you four d six. And we've got a dice tower here to make sure they get well rolled. So I'm going to give you these four dice. Uh, this dice tower is incredible because I was thinking, where am I going to roll these? Yeah. And I was going to roll them next to the microphone so you would have heard this. Yeah, that's well, what you, I was thinking. You did hear that anyway. <laughs> and, and on the floor next to this table is a... A turret. Is that a turret? Yeah, like a tower? it's like a little castle. And it's got a little ramp system in where the dice will fall on the ramp and then fall to another level and, and out of the gate of the castle onto kind of like the drawbridge yeah, area. Yeah, or a little sort of courtyard. It's, it makes sure that those dice get a proper spin. Oh, did you make this? This, is, this was bought, this, yeah, you, uh, this was a, a Christmas gift a few oh, years ago. What's it called again? It's called a dice tower. Oh. And it just makes sure that there aren't any questionable rolls. They get a good, they get a good roll going through there and then they're contained at the bottom so yeah. they don't roll off the table. Four dice is, could easy go anywhere. They could go anywhere. So what you're going to do, you're going to roll those four, we're going to discard the lowest number and then we're going to add up the other three and that's going to give you a score. Okay, here we go. What have we got? Right, so we've got two threes, a four and a two. So we would discard the two. Okay. We've got two threes and a four. So um, I'm going to make a note of these. That's ten. Ten. So um, in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, um, your, your average man on the street is going to score a ten. Mm. Uh, for all these uh, for all these abilities that's a that's a standard every man score uh, uh, but as an adventurer who is who is more than uh, than the every man you want some higher numbers than that so we're going to roll those dice five more times and okay. record the numbers so that first one was a 10 yeah let's do it so we need five more numbers oh so we've got is that another 10 there's 
Yeah, it sure four is. Four and three threes. Lose a three. Four and two threes is ten. Oh. Okay, so we need four. That's low again. I hope you're enjoying the sound of the dice as they fall, because I'm really enjoying I'm, I'm shaking. Whoop. This yeah. one is so Satisfying nice. Satisfying yeah. Let's see oh. what else we've got. Oh. Yeah, that's more like there. it. Lose the one. Six, two, and five. Was that 13? Eight and five is 13. I th 13. Yeah. That's <laughs> My maths like is appalling. Okay, that's a good number. Okay, let's so we do need three more. Ooh, that's another good one. Three fives. Ooh, that's 15. 15. Brilliant. Two more. Two more. Here goes. A six, Ooh. five, and four. That's another 15. Yes. Really good. Yes, yes, One more. yes. Oh, that's good again. Is that another 15? So that's five, four, and that is, six. That is some good rolls. So uh, your perk as a human is that you get to add one point to each of these scores. So we've got uh, two 11s. A fourteen and three sixteens. That is that's really good. Powerful. Very powerful. Um, and uh, so we were gonna we're gonna assign these scores to um, to your ability scores. And as a barbarian, you want your highest scores to go to strength and constitution, mm. and that's going to help you to fulfil your role in the party as someone who's strong and able to uh, to withstand negative effects. Um, those are really good numbers. And we would use those in game by uh, you. You take the number, subtract ten, mm. divide by two, uh, and that gives you a, a modifier. Um, if you are left with a half number, you round down. But you've got um, so you're going to have two plus zeros, a plus two, and three plus threes. Th those are really good scores. So you, you'd be off to yeah. a, a, an excellent start. Uh, with those. Well, thank you for that, and thank you for being a great dungeon master. And I like, I like the idea of that. I love rolling those dice. It reminds me of this feeling I get when you've got someone guiding you through something. Yeah. Like, it's it's luxurious, isn't it? You've got <laughs> yeah. you can just kind of like, yeah. all right, I'll throw the dice. You yeah. work it out. Yeah, Tell me what I, yeah. I. I played Talisman with oh, uh, yeah. Simon, who I yeah. spoke about earlier. We did a Zoom chat early on in the lockdown. Or Zoom call with the other guys that do the cinema under the stairs thing with me, and we decided to play Talisman. Simon was the the guide. Yeah, I don't think he's a dungeon master. Right. But that's one thing that stood out. I was like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know about games. I'm worried I won't get the rules. And he's like, don't worry, I'm gonna run the game. I'll yeah. sort it out. Yeah. And I could just sit back and relax, and he could tell me these things. And because I had that, the pressure taken off. I could properly immerse myself yeah, in so think. much more enjoyable. It is. Yeah. It's lovely to have a, a guide. Anyway, that game didn't work out too well. We no. all went a bit crazy. <laughs> Simon ended up tipping the board oh, no, over. No. He was he was wearing it was really hot and he was just wearing shorts and the whole time he had the camera over the board and all we could see were his knees. <laughs> and then occasionally he'd stand up and walk across the screen and we're like Simon, those are those are shorts you've got on, but are you wearing a t-shirt? He, he wasn't wearing a t-shirt, and eventually we just saw the whole lot. He was like, ah, oh, that's it, fed up, done. <laughs> but, but the experience of entering fantasy worlds, I think it's an, a talisman is like an abbreviated Yes, thing. yeah, I think so, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's similar, but a lot more, a lot yeah. more simplified. Yeah. Oh, my, thank you, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Right. Like yeah. that sheet, do I get to... Well, yeah, let me just, there's just a little thing that I wanted to, oh. to, to read off to you. So... So you've got your numbers here, but and so the the final thing that you need to do with your character is to is to turn them into a real person 
into into someone that you care about and want to and want to take on this adventure. So you give them personality traits. Uh, you give them ideals, how you know how they behave in certain situations. You give them bonds, things that are important to them, and you give them flaws as well, which um, which would cause them to sometimes behave in ways that weren't optimum. It might make them make bad decisions, and that just makes for a more for a more rounded, real character. Um, and finally, you give them a little bit of a backstory. Oh, good. Um, and so I've written a little backstory for Waran, oh, which, I, wow. I, I, which, I, which I hope you'll, uh, you'll uh, let me read. Oh, please do. Please do. <laughs> I can see the writing. You've written it's, on this it, beautiful sheet that's, yeah. that's a Dungeons & Dragons sheet with the blocks yeah. all done. And you're writing so lovely, all in, in capital letters, in pencil. You must have had a sharp pencil. I, I have a mechanical pencil that I always write with because it's always sharp. Oh, good. Um, so you don't want to waste time having to sharpen no. it. Is that a rotring or what is that? Uh, I can't remember. I think it... Oh, it's a Curitoga. It's quite a nice one. Oh, wow. Uh, every time you click the letter, it rotates slightly. So <gasps> it always stays pointed. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice. I've had this for years and I've got a lot of use out of it's it. It's a beauty. But your it's writing looks really nice. spectacular. <laughs> Go you. on then, Matt. I'm yeah. so excited. So, um... Again, this is a this is a wholly original character. Okay. Um, uh, Waran lived a quiet life as a leather worker. As a craftsman, he always loved objects. He fascinated about the way they felt, the way they weathered, the way they looked, the <laughs> way they were made. <laughs> they stirred up something deep inside his soul. As the products of creative and destructive forces, they helped him to understand what it was to be human. When Warren's village was attacked by an ogre, he heeded the call to action. Grabbing a sword, he stood alone against the beast, and after a savage battle, he cut the creature down. It was then that Warren realised that creative and destructive forces lived within him too. <laughs> and he left his village to seek adventure and offer help to any who needed it. On his journey, Warren has collected many treasure, treasured items that remind him of his adventures and which he draws memories and strength from. He loves nothing more than to share stories with those he meets along the way. And so that's uh, that's Waran's backstory. Oh, Matt, that's lovely. And I'm sorry I kind of <laughs> jumped in while you're right. reading it because I just I was going to say it's it's quite poignant if that's the correct term for so. me to choose. Oh, that in itself is lovely, but also the moment that you you well while you're reading you're using my introduction yes. part of my introduction yeah, and the yeah. fact that I chose not to use yeah, it. I thought that was funny today. Yeah, and, yeah, I thought should I say something? <laughs> That's I so funny. I'm, I love how things like that work out. It's so funny. Yeah. So uh, so sh should you uh, should you get uh, a game going with anyone? There is there's a pre-made character sheet that you, oh, can, that you can use for and made by a real dungeon for... master <laughs> yeah. with the most beautiful handwriting with with this fine pencil. Thank you so much, and the paper is uh, lovely textured I, I, yeah, paper. I chose a nice, uh, a nice piece of uh, sort of cream-coloured cardstock. Oh, wow. Got a nice weight to it. So How did you did you get this photocopied onto it? Or? Uh, it's, yeah, printed. Uh, I I printed it off um, at home. Thank you so That's much. That's lovely. Right. I will study this because there's more in here. There's yeah, there are some of the sort of special abilities that you have um, as as a barbarian. <sighs> Thank you, Matt. That's, That's my pleasure. And, and your piece of writing in the background was so, so lovely. Thank you for <laughs> spending the time That's and, right. and writing that. That so. is going to be a treasure, another treasure. <laughs> Good. I hope. Do you know what? I was I was actually thinking. You know, if uh, so, I mentioned that Waran has some some treasures. Uh, 
we can do it now or we can do it another time but there's uh, there's a list of trinkets in the book so you would be able to roll for some for some treasures uh, if you wanted um uh so but but yeah you could do that you could roll for treasures and then what you would be able to do is to to create more of a backstory with those and if you share those with your dungeon master that uh they can they can work those into the game and so yeah. those can become part of the the lore of the world that uh, that you're that you're uh living in well um, you will really nice you will be it. the only dungeon master <laughs> that I will play dungeons and dragons with <laughs> if if that opportunity ever comes up that's so lovely what a what is what a beautiful little gift thank you very that's much my and pleasure last time you gave me a copy of that lovely spider-man yeah, comic yeah. thank you matt that's all right i will i will treasure that and it will remind me of this wonderful evening we've had <laughs> discussing and our friendship thank you my pleasure yeah. So uh, is that is, well, that's your story? That's pretty much it. Yeah, I got to make my character. Um, we started another campaign. Unfortunately, that one only lasted three sessions before Ender's had to move away. Yeah. Um, there was another long wait. We tried again with four people. Then the coronavirus happened, and we couldn't get together to play anymore. And and I thought, you know, this isn't. It's just not going to happen. And then when everyone started using Zoom for their meetings, I thought, we can carry on this campaign. And then I thought, we'll get everyone back together. So uh, I guess it must have been 13 weeks ago now. The six of us all got back together. Uh, James is married now with a baby. Enders had, uh, had, had, been, had moved away to save up money and had just bought his own flat. Um, and we got back to, together and we got our campaign, the campaign I wanted to get going. So we've been playing, I think, every week for perhaps the last 13 weeks now. Every Wednesday evening, we meet up on Zoom, 9 till 11, and uh, we're all fully immersed in this world and and fully involved in it at, at long last. And you got the opportunity to escape from lockdown. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it's so, you know, we were, you know, I, I was uh, I was inspired, you know, by your building something positive out of out of the lockdown, and I was really glad that I got the opportunity to to build something positive as well. So to get uh, to to get my friends together and to get a regular game going uh, has been a really positive thing to have to have taken away from this time, and um, and everyone's fully fully involved, and we're only halfway through this campaign, but. People are already thinking about what's going to happen when it finishes. What's the next game? What's the next campaign we play? Um, yeah, it's just been it's just been really rewarding. And, oh, it and sounds had a great time. It sounds lovely, and I suppose when something goes so well, you do tend to think of what happens when we can't do it yeah. anymore, and and then you've got to think back to the moment and go, let's enjoy what's happening now. We're yeah. all aware that things come to an end. Yeah, let's focus on on what's happening now. And, and when you told me about this, I, th I thought this is just so fantastic, and you're giving people something to look forward to each yeah. week, and yeah. you're developing your skills as a dungeon master, which. One day, maybe you can be in front of a crowd of a thousand people leading a <laughs> game. How amazing maybe, would that yeah. be? I've always admired people who can who can guide and lead and yeah. 
and that that's just something that I can see you do really well in in this game. It's yeah, it's um, it it's taken a little bit of getting used to. You know, there there is there is some pressure because you want it to go well. You want your players to really enjoy it, and they and you want them to look forward to coming back every week. Uh, but it's it's very rewarding uh, yeah. when you know when they enjoy it. Well, so. I can tell the enthusiasm you speak with, the smile on your face. It's <laughs> it's just lovely to hear. I I remember when I I did a scuba diving course oh, back yeah. in I don't know the early nineties I guess, and I did open water one, and then you could do the advanced level, and yeah. then you became a dive master. Oh, wow. And when you said you were a dungeon master, yeah. <laughs> you didn't openly go, "Oh, I'm a dungeon master." No. You kind of like held that back for a while. <laughs> And I always looked up to these dive masters and I thought, oh, the wealth of experience and <laughs> yeah. knowledge. They work yeah. out those charts where they can oh, work yeah. out the nitrogen levels in yeah. the oxygen so yeah. you don't get that whole bends thing. So you, you've got a responsibility there. You're yeah. taking these people on this journey and you've got to make sure you, you give them a good ride. Yeah, yeah. The dive master has to make sure the group who's diving with them is safe and they take it on a good journey. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't have any qualifications, but uh, you know their lives aren't in my hands. But perhaps the lives of their players they, are. So I have to try and take good care of them. And you do. Their <laughs> fantasy world is is very important. Man. <laughs> Before we move on to the history section, I'm going to take a break, and this is the moment Salvador's beautiful song comes in. He's done such a good job. Oh, lovely! I enjoyed it. I, we collaborated a bit, really. Oh, He's, he, I, he gets all the credit, obviously. It's a fantastic <laughs> tune. I recorded a waterfall on a walk, <laughs> and I, I, I laid it underneath his singing. Ah. So if you listen carefully, you'll hear the waterfall trickling behind <laughs> it. I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> We brave, we brave. I think a frog just jumped on my foot. <laughs> Didn't that happen last time? Yeah, it's happened when I've walked down the garden and a frog's jumped on, like I feel it jumps on my foot, but I kind of scoop it up as I walk. Luckily, I don't squish it. Are they doing it on purpose? I don't know. Maybe because it's when you're here. Yeah. It, it happens. Yeah. And they, the, there's not as many frogs about now. They've, the frog spawn has all become, the tadpoles have done. They've uh, become okay. tiny froglets. I don't know if that's what they're called. Froglets. <laughs> they've, they've all dispersed. Right. We're not seeing as many. They're still about, and it's just rain, so they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll they like come it, out. They do yeah. like it. Let's talk about the history of yes, let's. Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm sure you you know most of this. I know, I know some. Uh, well, let's let's have a have a look, and hopefully, you might find something you you don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed researching this. I was just drawn in by it. Dungeons and Dragons, commonly abbreviated as D&D &D or D&D, &D. Yeah. so D 
Amphisand, is it? Amphisand, Am- yeah. Is it Amphisand? Sorry, it's Ampersand. Ampersand. Yeah. They, um, they've turned the, uh, the Ampersand into a little dragon in the logo. Oh, yes, yes, I can yeah. see it. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> it is a fantasy tabletop role-playing game. And role-playing game is RPG. That's right. A rocket-propelled grenade. grenade. Yeah. <laughs> Originally designed by Gary Gygax, That's who right, you've mentioned, yeah. and Dave Arneson. It was first published in 1974. The 70s were great, weren't they? Yeah. They're, like, they're like the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was first published in 1974 by Tactical Studies Rules, Inc., TSR. The game has been published by Wizards of the Coast, which you mentioned earlier, now a subsidiary of Hasbro since 1997. I love Hasbro. They make some great toys. They make loads of Star Wars things. Oh, yeah. They make the Furby toy. I've noticed so many toys that are made by Hasbro. Big, big company. I I got mixed up with always Haribo at one (laughs) one stage, but it's not Haribo, it's Hasbro. D&D's publication is commonly recognized as the beginning of modern role-playing games and the role-playing game industry. It's, it's the first, one yeah, of the first. Yeah. In, Dunge- in Dungeons & Dragons, players assume the roles of characters who inhabit a world moderated and narrated by Matt, <laughs> Dungeon Master, a player who explains the action to others and solicits their reactions to the unfolding story. And you explained that so beautifully, oh, so this is a you. bit of a repetition. The dungeon master's storytelling skills and the player's abilities to imagine add enjoyment to the game. And your skills are right there, I could tell. The storytelling skills. The special dice for Dungeons and Dragons hold up to 20 sides. What's the 20-sided one called again? D20. D20. Rolling them determines each character's individual strengths, plots their complex interactions, and decides the outcome of their encounters. Characters earn experience points, XP, in order to rise in levels and become increasingly powerful over a series of separate gaming sessions. It makes me think, didn't Hannah die in the first session of the Zoom thing you did? Um, in, in our very first game, so, in, so not in the Zoom ones, in our very first game, so she didn't quite die. Oh. She dropped to zero hit points and she was revived before she died. Yeah, so you told me that, but then I, I remember we were chatting in the park when we oh, were, and, and you told me that, but then I thought that was in your Zoom one, but this I was in a previous yeah, one. Think so so no, she's yeah. okay. She's okay, she's, okay. she's fine, yeah. Good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Characters earn experience points. Uh, In 1977, the game was split into two branches, the relatively rules-light game system of basic Dungeons & Dragons and the more structured, rules-heavy game of advanced Dungeons & Dragons, abbreviated as AD and D. Is that the one you play? I I believe so. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with this. I, I do hear AD and D referred to a lot. Though when talk when people talk about yeah. this game, so I think that that's that's the version. When I was in in high school, there were groups of kids who played Dungeons and Dragons, right. not many, and I always remember hearing that they were advanced. They oh, were okay. in advanced yeah. level. I didn't know much about it. It was like a group that I couldn't get into. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the the fifth edition of D and D, the most recent, was released during the second half of two thousand and fourteen. Right. 
in 2017, 15 million people played D&D in North America alone. That's a lot of people. If you think about the population of Oxford, it's probably 300 or 400,000 near there. So you need a lot more people (laughs) in the population of Oxford to reach that 50 million. That's a lot of people. But when I read that fact, I thought, how do you know? How do they know how many people are playing? Yeah, is I don't the, is know, there actually. Like, it's it's a not a census question. No, do you play that's, D&D? That's a good point. I don't know. <laughs> we, we, we accept these facts. There must be a method behind collecting that data. But yeah, that's a lot of people. Mm. Some controversies have surrounded Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. particularly a moral panic in the 80s, yeah. falsely linking it to Satanism and suicide. It was as if there was a... A powerful group of people trying to stop you from playing it. It actually boosted sales uh, because because it drew attention to it and it made it more intriguing for people. It's it's so interesting and and now I look at it and I I think I wish I didn't have that propaganda, that nonsense going around it so I could have accessed that game. Yeah, it was like when we talked about comics and Dr. Frederick Wortham's uh, Seduction of the Innocent. Yes. Uh, You know, the sort of stigma that they put upon comics and made them seem bad. But it happens, it happens all the time. You know, it happens with with movies and it happens with music. Mm. Um, It happens with video games and it's always that an older generation doesn't understand what a younger generation is doing and they don't approve of it yeah and i think it's it will continue to happen and it makes news doesn't it, yeah, it makes it a news story at various times in its history dungeons and dragons has received negative publicity in particular from some christian groups for alleged promotion of such practices as devil worship witchcraft suicide and murder and for the presence of naked breasts in drawings of female <laughs> humanoids in the original AD&D manuals. I'm not even going to go there. No. I'm not even going to go there. Dungeons & Dragons has been the subject of rumours regarding players having difficulty separating fantasy from reality, even leading to psychotic episodes. Yeah. Why not um, <laughs> go into a fantasy world without needing to take any drugs or anything? Yes. You can just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I... Tom Hanks' first starring role. Oh, are you going to tell yeah, us yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, go on, you tell no, us. You tell Tom us. Hanks' first starring role was in a movie called... What was it called? Monsters and Mazes. Mazes and Monsters. And it was based upon uh, a, uh, the beginning of this satanic panic uh, where they thought that this game was influencing um, young people to, to act out dangerous fantasies, basically. Yeah, yeah. and... and- Tom Hanks, I can't, I can't believe it. It's a TV movie, so right, okay, released yeah. on cinema. But I don't think I'd go back and watch it. No, I don't I'd be curious it. to see what he looks like. I love yeah. Tom Hanks in Big, is it? Big, yeah. With the Zoltar machine, where right. he, he becomes big, and he's quite young in that, and then, well, he's an adult in that, yeah. and then he becomes, uh, well, the child. Oh, <laughs> the I'm child. so confusing. <laughs> I think the child wishes from the Zoltar I wish machine. I was that big. Big, yeah, yeah that's it. Becomes Tom Hanks. The game was blamed for some of the actions of Chris Pritchard, who was convicted in 1990 of murdering his stepfather. I think that's the, that's all the nonsense about it. However, mm. Dungeons and Dragons has been cited as encouraging people to socialize weekly or bi-weekly, yeah. teaching problem-solving skills, which can be beneficial in adult, adult life, and teaching po- positive moral decisions. 
plus you learn loads of maths yeah yeah and you you get lots of objects and you get lots of stories to share with people i think yeah. i think it's fantastic D&D was in, inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame in 2016. National, probably like national is a country, I don't know, but that's it's a high accolade. Mm -hmm. What other toy do you think sh should be inducted? It might well have been. I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot because <laughs> I've been thinking about yeah. it myself and I can't think. Are we thinking about, about new t sort of toys or? Perhaps. I don't know what's anything. in there now. So. Um... Well, yeah. Well, it, I'm going to say I really like labyrinth the board game i love labyrinth do where, you oh well, yeah the that, magic that's the, moving that's maids. the only that's the only family board game i can get the kids to play and i love it it's the only one it's, i can play because it's like a miniature dungeons and dragons because oh, you get to move around the it's dungeon. so it's, good it's a brilliant game and what i like about it is it's made by ravensburger yes and, and it's quality like the yeah. pieces are really thick the drawings are neat it's it's beautifully produced yeah. and it, it there's a lot of there's a bit of skill, but there's a lot of chance also, which I like. Yeah, it's a great game. So that was the one. If you think of one, Matt, do let us know. Or, okay. or you can write a letter I, I will to Shoot Chat. I will. That is precisely what I'll do. Perhaps don't look what's in the Toy Hall of Fame. See if you can guess, because okay. maybe Talisman is in there already. Yeah. I mean, do whatever. I'm not All right. Yeah, just <laughs> send us a letter if you, if you wish. Dungeons and Dragons mechanics lent themselves to computer applications, which I can totally see. The computer speedily reproduced the role of the dungeon master, defining a game's particular world. It never replaces it, though. No. Never. No. You don't want a machine to replace you, and you want that yeah. storyteller to be there in the room with you or on that Zoom chat with you. Yeah. Coupled with the rise of the internet, players' characters could now interact in these graphic settings with countless other characters all over the world. I, I, I can imagine it's a different kind of game mm. to the one you've described, although it does, it does lend itself well yeah. to, to working on the internet. These massively multiplayer online role-playing games, MMORPGs, yeah. such as World of Warcraft are extremely popular today. Without Dungeons and Dragons, these games would not have evolved as they did. World of Warcraft is an interesting one. I've never played it, no. but I've watched the South Park episode. Oh, yeah, it's called yeah. Make Love, Not Warcraft. Yeah, that's a good episode. <laughs> it, is, it is so funny. Yeah, we bought your game and play it online, but every time we log in, some other player comes in and kills us. More people calling in about their characters getting killed. As you all know, some giant butthole keeps logging onto Warcraft and killing all our characters. Right click! I took a group of year 10 students on a geography field trip. Oops, I meant year 12. Yeah. To Exmoor National Park. <laughs> and one of my favourite places in the UK. I absolutely love it. It's beautiful. And I, I, I love being with the students so much. And there was a student called Kane, Kane Taylor. And he introduced me to this episode of South Park. Right. While I was driving the van, he was talking about things. And he chose yeah. to sit next to me chatting. Oh, that's so nice. nice. <laughs> we were listening to music. And he was like, you've got to see the South Park episode. And when we got to the field study center, yeah. I went online. And I think I watched it on YouTube. It was so funny. <laughs> and it talks about like 
immersing yourself into this fantasy world and yeah. the kids in South Park go get a bit crazy and it touches on that whole satanic kind of yeah, vibe and yeah. it's, it's really funny it's worth watching I, I highly recommend it he, this guy Te- uh, Kane also told me to watch he didn't tell me to he recommended that I watch John Carpenter's The Fog Oh yeah, and for for a kid age seventeen, it's amazing. Like he he recommended that South Park episode, The Fog. I watched that. The fog is good. And then I thought John Carpenter, that's crazy. And then I watched They Live. Oh, with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes, and the Such longest fight film. scene ever. Then oh, it's in the, the, yeah. the alleyway. Yes, it's brilliant. <laughs> and and then another John Carpenter film, The Thing. I love that film. Yeah, that's one of my favourite sort of creature films, the thing. It's amazing how this can lead from one thing to the other. And I knew World of Warcraft was a role-playing type game. And it's all linked. Everything's linked. All knowledge is linked somehow. The news. I was thinking the whole time while researching this, is there a film about Dungeons and Dragons? And there isn't. But there's going to be one. And But you may correct me if I'm wrong, uh, there may be an older version. I think that there was a film about Dungeons and Dragons, and I think it had Jeremy Irons in it. But he that's was... all I can remember about it. it I, didn't, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it must but have I th- been bad. It probably was very bad. There was also the cartoon in the 80s. The Dungeons and Dragons oh, cartoon. Yeah. Well, this new story talks about the new film that's coming up. It's probably been delayed because of the studio so. shutting and so on. Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly are in talks to direct Dungeons and Dragons the movie. Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly are now in negotiations to direct the next or it doesn't say the next I don't know why I said that it just says the Dungeons and Dragons movie for Paramount Pictures I love Paramount Pictures you can see that pointed mm. mountain yeah the film will be one of the first projects to go into production for the newly created All Spark Pictures launched last October Sorry. by Hasbro uh, I, All Spark that's something to do with Transformers isn't it I think I feel like that they were fighting over something how they and, and Hasbro and Transformers, they're probably, uh, there's probably a connection there. Probably so. is. And Hasbro, you can see where this is leading to mm. making toys yeah. to go with the movie. The production company aims to transform itself into an industry player to rival Marvel Studios. Oh, yeah. That's their plan. They've got to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In addition to Dungeons & Dragons' tabletop role-playing game, Hasbro's lines of toys and games include Mr. Potato Head... <laughs> Monopoly and My Little Pony. There's all. There's more. They do yeah. lots of the Star Wars things. Furby, like I said earlier, its products have inspired films with varying degrees of success, which I interpret as they've yeah. inspired some pretty some bad ones. Films. Yeah. Goldstein and Daly most recently worked on Game Night for New Line, which is that cinema company, New oh, Line yeah. production company and co-wrote 2017 Spider-Man Homecoming. Before that, they wrote and directed the fifth film in the National Lampoon's Vacation series and wrote Horrible Bosses and its sequel. I've never heard of Horrible Bosses. It sounds 
It's not too bad. It's, oh, it's yeah, okay. yeah, it's it's okay. <laughs> I, th- I feel here yeah, I'm like dissing these films, and who am I to say it's, it's just how you how you like them? It's just an opinion. I yeah. suppose. <laughs> I haven't even seen that one. I was about to diss it. Three, three friends hate their bosses, and so they all uh, agree to 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 murder another person's boss, basically. Oh, it doesn't quite work out like that. Yeah. But, um, wow, murder it's, it's and mayhem. Okay. Well, the National Lampoon stories I like. I love those. I like Christmas Vacation, 1989. That's I watch that every Christmas without fail. The scene where he goes on that sled that, and he greases it up <laughs> and just bolts down that hill and it's like a sudden burst into flames he's going so far. It's that non-nutritive uh, food varnish that he's been developing, <laughs> isn't it? That's the one. This is a new non-caloric silicon-based kitchen lubricant my company's been working on it creates a surface 500 times more slippery than any cooking oil ah we're really gonna fly down the hill with this stuff has anyone ever used it on a sled not that i know of russ later dudes let her rip ain't pen the fifth one goldstein and daly have worked on or directed is called vegas vacation no, wait, that's not, no, no. That, the fifth one is just called Vacation. Yes, I've seen that one. Which I haven't well. seen it. It's, it's okay, it's, it's not bad, you know, it, it's not as good as the first couple, but it's, it's a funny film. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth a watch. Okay, well, I'll check it out. Hopefully Chevy Chase is in it, is he in it? He is in it, yeah. Okay. It's, um, it's his son, it's Rusty and his family going on a vacation trying to recreate the family holidays that he had as a kid like the european vacation yes, yeah yeah when they the go trip to, the trip to wally world yes and they go past the houses of parliament yeah. and they, <laughs> go, they get stuck on the roundabout yeah. houses of parliament <laughs> look kids <laughs> and then they keep doing that that's the news you just caught a mozzie i did get it well yeah. done well done Thanks. critical hit yeah good job recommendation Every episode I've thought of a recommendation and most of them have, have come pretty easily. I've thought of something fun to do. Last episode was something fun and, and relatively cheap yeah. or free. Last one was making those barn stars. This week I just thought, why not repair something? So something you're about to throw yeah. away, don't recycle, repair. Or recycle where you can, but I suppose repair and reuse is yeah, probably yeah. more valuable and it made me think about my days when I, I was a helper for a tennis coach back in, it must have been 1993, 94, around there. I worked for brothers. They were tennis coach, Cyril Rudman and George mm. Rudman. Cyril Rudman always used to repair his shoes and he bought this mm. rubber, that oh, yeah. liquid rubber that came in a tube. And when you're toe cap got worn out from dragging it for your serve or whatever he would get like a lollipop stick and he'd repair it he wouldn't repair it on the court but i asked him how he did it yeah and then one thing i noticed what he used to do was he would cut up an old inner tube from a bike tire little 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 blocks tiny blocks mix it in with the the liquid rubber and then paste it onto the end of the shoe so you'd see like this see-through kind of rubber it had a yellow tinge with yeah. little black patches in, so that would give it more traction. Wow. 
he would keep repairing these shoes. They were Adidas tennis shoes. I'd love to have a pair. I wish I could have got hold of one of them. And and then I looked up a shoe repair paste. You can yeah. buy them. You can buy them on uh, Amazon. I'm sure if you went into Timson, the shoe repair place, you might be able to to find some. It, the the one I looked is called Lung Love, which I guess is long life. Yes, yeah, it's a, like it. made in made in Germany. And I suppose give a go at repairing something, not necessarily yeah. shoes. I've got some glue in the cupboard. I've got some Gorilla Tape or uh, yeah. duct tape, which I regularly get those things down. And yeah. sometimes I manage to repair things. Sometimes it's difficult to repair. My kids love it. They love going, Daddy, I broke this. Anya broke a <laughs> tiny piece of Lego. And I knew it was going to be hard to repair. Um, yeah, wow. I just couldn't get it. And she, she really had faith in me. And she said, no, Daddy, that's all right. And then obviously it didn't stick properly. But I, I gave it a go. And my recommendation, thanks to Cyril Rudman back in the tennis coaching days, is to try repair things. Um, and you, you get a lot out of it. Yeah. Even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't <laughs> work, it's still a fun thing to do. And speaking of... The recommendation section and the the barn star. Oh, yeah. I've just given it away. <laughs> anyway, here's your gift, Matt. Be careful with it. Hold it upright. Don't crush it. Oh, give me. give it a good um, opening there. What on earth is it? See see what you find. I've wrapped it in some kitchen roll. This was last That's minute. I, I, I Joe finished the. The it's end Christmas. part of it. Oh, is it stuck? I've got a bit caught. Oh, oh, oh no, that's, right. that's oh, fine. Oh, 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 look at that! Barn stars from the uh, from the cans from uh, from my last visit. It's yeah, the, uh, the neck oil, isn't it? That's so nice. Thank you so much. That's an absolute pleasure. So I bought a tiny canvas mounted block yeah. from Hobbycraft. It was fairly cheap. I was surprised. And it's it's got a nice wooden backing. Yeah, it's sturdy, isn't it? I did a bit of a, a painting effect. I tried to make it look like space. Or well, you can interpret yeah. it how you want. <laughs> I had help from Joe because I, I kind of messed up a few times. And then I got a piece of kitchen roll and scraped off right. the paintwork that I had done. And then redid it. And then Joe helped mount those little stars. That's it's really it's so nice. I, I know where I'm going to put it as well because inspired by uh, by your cabinet of stuff, I uh, in my corner of the bedroom on my side of the bed, I put um, I put some shelves up to to display some of my treasures. Oh, good! It's only it's, it's filling up very slowly, um, but uh, there's going to there'll be room for this oh, on there. So that's good. where that this is going to live. So thank you very much for that's that. It's an absolute pleasure, and I enjoyed making those stars again. I thought if I'm going to recommend it, and I've only made them, I made a previous set a few years ago for Joe and my wedding anniversary. I hadn't made them in ages, and they always recommending it. Well, I better give it another go, and it took it took a while. Like I, I fussed over it for ages. I made a few mistakes, remade them. Yeah. But but there you go. Thank you, Matt. That was Thank such you. an enjoyable evening of conversation and finding out about another treasure, another aspect of you. I just didn't know, and I'm so <laughs> pleased I've learned that. I hope you've enjoyed joining us this evening to unlock the stories behind the objects we treasure. I'd love to hear from you. So please send me your questions and comments to shedchat at gmail.com for discussion in the next episode of What's in Your Shed. Or 
don't worry about yeah. it. Don't, you don't have to send anything in. It's just a nice way to end <laughs> it because I want to get pe- more people involved. But as I said earlier, I'm just so happy. More and more people are listening. Yeah. It's really exciting. I've had a wonderful evening once again. Good night. Good night. What's in your shed? What's in your shed? Pictures and treasures and the books of me What's in your shed? What's in your shed? Hey Matt, it's Warren. I'm just calling to let you know that the side gate will be open from 8pm. So come whenever you like from 8pm onwards. I'm so looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I've done some research. I'm really excited to learn more about d and I've got loads of beers, so no need to bring any. It's going to be awesome. See you later. Bye. I think there might be good. So that's between us uh, there. I'll try not. Shall I put my um, somewhere else? Yeah, I can move it. Let me move this projector and then okay. you can put oh, it up yeah. there. Brilliant. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, not to like lean across and knock it onto the floor or anything like that. <laughs> and you can use one of these lovely German oh, beer posters. Look at that. Nice. I'll use one too. Brauhaus am Schloss. Mm-hmm. Put it there, and then that will go nicely between us. Turn my, uh, turn my phone off. Not that anyone's looking. <laughs> anyone ever rings me. <laughs> good point. Where's mine? Um, oh, I think I saw it down there. Oh, the, was it? oh there. Good. Good to spot. Okay. All right. Right, yeah. Let's do it. Uh, All right. <laughs>